Hello, everybody, and welcome to WTS 243, despite what one of our guests is going to say now in a minute. My name is Danny Murray. That's Gary Mackle. I'm Graham Erigan. And Paul Howard is with us as well. Hi, Paul. Hi, Gary. Good to be here. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, it's always great to have the two of you. It's become the thing now that the two of you is like, we can't have one without the other, you know? It's just... It's become a bit of a... It's often enough. I don't know how you feel, Gary. I just kind of think, like... You know, we, we, we get the call when they're struggling, like, you know, and, and then in between, I, I read all these tweets about, oh, this guy, the best guest we ever had on, and I'll oh, listen to this one every and this is the best show we've ever done. And then, you know, me and you, Gary, who, who, who I, I think we more than carry our weight on the show. Um, Do you know what it's like? Praise in between. There's never any praise for us, like, you know, and then we get the call, oh, listen, we're stuck. Danny's Bobby Brown, Meryl Shug Knight, me and you are Whitney Houston, and we're just being fucking <laughs> lamped from side to side when it suits them. It's an absolute disgrace. Well, lads, this is, uh, this That's is outrageous. vulgar, Gary. Outrageous. I'll, I'll tell you what, Gary, right? Give us a blast of the intro there, Gary. You do the intro, and you, you and Paul host the show for this week. Okay. Um, myself and Paul are delighted to confirm some news that we've been approached by uh, a Russian man, Alexander Olishnikov, and he wants us to open and uh, manage Ireland's first 24-hour arts centre, um, which opens from the 1st of September 2021. And we're delighted to confirm that the opening act is uh, a tribute to Cher, and it's called Do You Believe in Life After Love? Would you like to add that into that, Paul? I would, yeah. Just say, it, you know, it, it is an art centre. Uh, the art will, will, will generally take place between uh, like 10 o'clock and about 6 in the evening. And then uh, it, it will obviously turn into a lap dancing club, um, which, which, <laughs> which, is, which is art as well. But there is a grant. We are getting a grant for it um, from... Absolutely. What, what was it, Gary? The Arts Council. Oh, the the Arts, Arts Council. Council, of course. Yeah, yeah, the Arts Council. And... Um, but I, I just kind of think it's, a, it's, it's just the kind of thing that, that, that South Wicklow is, is crying out for, you know. It's better than another soul song. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, well, Thanks for joining us, guys. We're, we're looking. Delighted to be here, lads. Yeah, Gary, you're asked there the introduction, not a program anymore. Well, no, he's obviously, he's obviously done the ad that, you know, comes before. This is the preamble before the intro. This, this is the ad, obviously. Okay. Yeah, well, look, we're very giddy about it. It's, 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 we're, this has been talked about for the last two years. Um, it was signed off last Wednesday. Um, we didn't want to say too much about it. Um, we're going to be doing a, a YouTube video tomorrow morning, Paul. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, Miriam O'Callaghan. And, you know, we're excited about it, but we don't want to get carried away about it. Uh, the, last thing, the last thing anybody wants in this area in particular, Gary, is, um, you know, two, two kind of impresarios uh, losing the run of themselves. Mm. And we're not going to be Absolutely. that kind of operation. I, I, would, I think, I mean, you know, we've discussed it. We have our mission statement, um, which, um, which I haven't read, but <laughs> I, I, I think um, we have a mission statement, uh, and that's important. Absolutely. The only, thing I want, I, I, the only thing I want to get out of it is, if I can go to Turkey in the next five years and get my teeth done, That'll do me. Mm. Anything else is a bonus. Mm. Your teeth are thin. I have a fang and I'm just not settled with them. <laughs> I'd file that down for you, Gary. I'd file that. Have you got a sander? Yeah, I, I, I do have a sander, actually. Uh, Mary was using it today. Uh, 
to uh, to sand down a, a, a swing in the garden. Um, I mean, that's why weren't you using it, Paul? Well, we we we're, we're an equal opportunities house, actually. You know, so we 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 don't have <laughs> we don't have uh, gender assigned roles. Like you know, I I mean, I. I I'd push a hoover around here. Absolutely no questions asked. Uh, Mary would use a sander. Um, the, only, the only rule I have really is that no one's allowed to touch my um, me, me power hose. Like, Absolutely. I mean, my, like, I, like I, I'm obviously very influenced by you, right? You're probably the most important influencer in my life. Um, <laughs> Because generally anything you recommend, it turns out to be just amazing, like, you know, right from, you know, could be tomato relish, uh, it could be, you know, a piece of gadgetry, it always works out. Um, so I'm just happy to reciprocate and recommend this to you, like, you know, I got this, uh, I was going to go cheap with the, with the power hose and I thought, no, just go, go massive, right, or go home. Mm-hmm. And it's louder than my car, right, that's mm-hmm. how, like that, when I turned it on, right, it's... Just so loud, and when I when I use it, it's you know like we live in an age I think in which you know we, we are as men we are being increasingly increasingly emasculated I think you know uh, and there are very few things that um, you know that 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 you can do these days that actually make you feel that that you know just the thrill of being a male again and mm-hmm. using my powerhouse is is it for me. It's, um, I mean, I, the garden's never been cleaner. It's, um, I, I just. Uh, would you use it on the swing? Um, would I lose that? Use it on what? Would you use it on the swing? I took, I did, I actually, um, it's funny you should say that, Graham, because we did, I did try it. I, I, I aimed it at the swing today and the paint started coming off the swing. We're trying to get it down, just, it's rusting and we're trying to get the thing just um, sanded down to the rust so we can paint, put metal paint on it. But, it, it, I mean, it really, it was knocking the swing back and forth. It was like there was a gale in the garden or something. It's a seriously, seriously powerful uh, piece of piece of equipment. What and, brand uh, is it, Paul? Uh, it's a K, uh, K something or other. Carcher. Yeah, that's all. That's yeah. it. I, I'm going to take a picture of it and send you the, 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 the model, Gary, because mm. um, I just, I kind of feel like, you know, it, it was my good fortune to find out about it. And I should, yeah. I should tell as many people as possible. You know, a character special uh, specialise in pressure washers, so you, you've done a good job there. Yeah. Like, you know, when someone, like, it happens all the time here, because I'm home all day, like, I work from home, like, at least, at least once a week, someone will call to the door and ask if they want me to, if, if I want them to, like, power wash the fascia boards or the seat or the roof or something like that. And I just look at their power washer and I just, like, yeah, yeah. Just, I just sneer at them. You know, I'm not a sneery guy, but... But I can't help it. But anyway, we have got house martins nesting in the in the roof now, so I can't do any. I can't take the power washer to the roof, which I was dying to do with the summer. What are house martins? Birds. They're, they're birds. They're like sparrows or swallows. They're tiny little birds, and they migrate to Africa, and then they come back again. And they always know. It's like they have my air code or something. Like they know exactly where they're going. But so the, the band, band, uh, the band the house martins are named after birds. Yeah, Never knew yeah, that. that's them. Every well, day is a skill day. But it, but I came out of the house uh, the other day and there was shit everywhere. Like oh, like because they shit, they just eat and shit all day, and there was just shit all over the path and all over the window ledge downstairs, and I was just I was I was mad like you know for about 
five seconds and then I just heard little chicks above me in the nest and I'm just suddenly St. Francis of Assisi chatting to them and everything I am just chatting up to them they are they're, they're filthy Paul aren't they oh they they're are. yeah filthy. they're rotten they're absolutely filthy yeah, but they'll really be gone they'll be gone kind of September October they'll fly back to Africa but the amazing thing about them because we've had them here loads of times they keep they, they keep and I'm sure it's the same family like you know I, I mean I'm not I wouldn't know their faces are at them, but they, um, <laughs> they, they, as soon as they leave, within 24 hours, the nest will fall down. Oh, so, really? Yeah, it's amazing. So they're obviously kind of keeping the, the mud wet with their spit and adding to them. They're obviously keeping it tipping over all the time, like an ad, improving and making sure it doesn't fall. But as soon as they go, that will just drop to the ground. Yeah. They're very industrious, though, to get the night out of it, aren't they? <laughs> you know, to get yeah, the night yeah. out with that clutter, like yeah, yeah, very industrious, unbelievable. They eat flies as well, which is which is great because the place is just full of them at the moment. I was walking around with the vapona all day today. You know, you've got the windows and doors open because it's stinking hot at the moment. Yeah, it's horrible. And yeah. then about six o'clock, I have to walk around the house with the can of vapona, just like massacring flies everywhere I can find them. I lit a fire in the compost bin there about two hours ago. Jesus. I just threw in um, some barbecue fluid and fucked a uh, kitchen towel in, lit, lit it on fire, because there was flies all over the fucking place. But I scarpered after that. It was grand. It's a light up myself, actually. That's essentially a bomb, isn't it? That's a fertilizer. <laughs> get, out of, get out of the area, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Birmingham 6 or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Delighted. Are you happy here now without? Where's the intro? He's had questions for us, lads. Well, we've handed over reins to to, to you guys here to host it after Gary's comments there. So, we didn't say we'd be better hosts. I think we, we, I think we've just been a bit disappointed with (laughs) our trade. We call it lack of love because I don't, I don't really need validation um, (laughs) from any of you, but you know, apart from Gary, obviously. But Hmm. I just think. There's, there's very little, I just kind of feel there's very little kind of love being pushed our way. It's always, oh, this episode, that episode. And I never see any of me and Gary's episodes featuring on the best of, you know. All right, that, that point is duly noted, Paul. We'll take they that one. Paul, but, but, they haven't asked if we have Revolut either, I've, I've noticed. <laughs> Graham looks after the accounts, Gary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Paul, a tweet of yours caught my attention today uh, involving the trip to Athens and orange juice. And I was baffled by the fact that you weren't allowed to drink your orange juice at the Olympics. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then the fact that the Olympics is on at the moment, just thought we'd chat a little bit about that because it's a fucking mad thing altogether. It brought me back, right? It brought me back. Somebody was tweeting today about um, how the IOC uh, has told athletes... Uh, not to do, not to take the knee, um, oh, and they've told them they don't want any selfies of them anywhere on the Olympic premises taking the knee, uh, and yet they use the imagery of the two athletes Smith and Carlos at the 1968 Olympics when they did the Black Power salute to the American flag. They use that now as part of the iconography of the Olympics, you know. Mm. Um, they pretend the Olympics aren't political, 
but they use that as part of you know like the history it's it's you know it's it's pushed now as a significant historical event uh, which we can look back on and say, oh yeah, that's what the Olympics is all about. And of course, at the time, they were they were thrown out of the Olympic Village for doing the Black Power salute. Um, and Avery Brundage, the IOC president at the time, put pressure on um, the American Olympic Committee to throw them out. The American Olympic Committee said, we're not throwing them out. And he said, if you don't throw them out of the Olympic Village, um, the whole American team will be thrown out of the Olympics so they had to put them out and um but it just shows you it's kind of like it's really brave it's easy to st- you know to stand up for things 50 years after they actually matter um but in the moment it takes real courage to do it and that just reminded me today about you know the Olympics is coming up this weekend it shouldn't be happening it's absolutely ludicrous that they would try to have an Olympic Games um with the pandemic on and given that something like 22% of people in Japan are vaccinated, it's, it's, and they, you're bringing all these athletes. It's just completely and utterly crazy. I mean, talk about super spreader events, but it just got me thinking about this incident that happened to me on the first day of the Olympics in 2004. It was in Athens, and uh, I went to see the trap shooting because Ireland had a couple of, you know, decent, de- decent trap shooters at the time. And it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I went out and I kind of went in to the venue, showed me accreditation. And I was walking to my, my seat and there was a stall there selling drinks. So I bought a part, so I bought some orange juice, you know. And it was in a glass bottle. And I brought it up and I sat down at my desk and I was taking out my laptop. And this woman with, um, with a laminate uh, just appeared at my side and said, you, have to, you can't drink that here. And I said, what do you mean I can't drink it here? I bought it here. And she said, yes, but it would be, um, it would be, what was it? It would contravene the intellectual property rights of one of our sponsors, which, <laughs> which means Coca-Cola, like clearly Coca-Cola. And I said, but, but I, I, you're selling it in the, in, in, the, in the Olympic venue. And she said, we're selling it. It's being sold and we're not selling it, but it's being sold in the venue but you can't drink it anywhere where there's a chance that a camera will catch you drinking it because it's a, it's a rights issue. So I said, but what if, like, what if you walked away from here and I just opened it and drank it anyway? And she said, then we would um, remove your accreditation to cover the Olympics. Fucking hell. And uh, I just, there's something very like Catholic about their zealotry, you know, these are, like these are fucking zealots, and this is—I mean, this is all because of Juan Antonio Samaranch, who was the president of the IOC, a rabid Catholic, uh, you know, Opus Dei member, all the rest, you know, and and his fingerprints are all over this kind of stuff, you know. But it's neur- like it's absolutely neurotic, and I noticed it. Apparently, it's got worse since I put that tweet up today, and a few people have told me it's actually—it's actually got much worse since then. That you know, that you're, you're basically signing, you're signing contract um, not to upset any of the sponsors, you know. Um, so the, the, the crack we saw at the Euros with Ronaldo moving a bottle mm. of, uh, of Coca-Cola yeah. away, if that happened at the Olympics, there'd be uproar. Sure? Yeah. It was probably great publicity for Coca-Cola. Um, the, the Ronaldo thing? 
Yeah. Their, their share price dropped apparently by like five or six percent in, oh, really? in, in the first 48 hours yeah, after it. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it would have been one thing if he just moved the bottle off camera, but the fact that he was like, drink water, drink water, and he was like making a face at the Coke or whatever, I think is what. Well, because similar to yourself, Gary, being so influential as Paul has pointed out, if you, were, if you were to do it with a bottle of TK Red Lemonade mm. and tell people to stop drinking that and only drink water, sure, a bottle of TK wouldn't be sold in Arklow, Wicklow, the entire East Coast for, for quite some time, you know? So Ronaldo had the same effect. And then, of course, other players carried on moving stuff and then adding stuff into press conferences. Mm. Um, but if Paul is, is are you are we saying here that like marketing is more important now than the actual event because that's how it feels? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been the case for for um, for probably twenty twenty years. I'd say with the Olympics, you know, those kind of things keeping the sponsors happy have just been completely paramount. You know. Um, they 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 call them rights holders. I mean, even it's just interesting the language they use. Like you know, but they don't call them sponsors; they call them rights holders, which means yeah. which means they're and and they also call them stakeholders. Which yeah, you know, similar to um, all that stuff with the the European Super League. Yeah, and the, the top six in the Premier League are stakeholders of the Premier League. Yeah. Um. It just discredits it as a competition, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually sat down and watched the Olympics, you know? Oh, I mean, really? I watched, yeah, yeah. I watched a bit of 2012 because it was in London and some of it was a bit of crack-like, you know, and Katie Taylor obviously was great, but I didn't go watch anything in the last Olympics. How many Olympics did you cover, Paul? Two. I did Sydney in 2000, which I loved. I absolutely loved it. It was my first Olympics. Um, it was a great one to cover. The Australians just knew how to do it, how to do it well. Um, there was just great stories there, you know, between Sonia and, you know, Cathy Freeman and um, Ian Thorpe, um, you know, Peter Van den Hoogen band. It was just, there was just really, really great stories. Um, and then 2004, I hated um, in Athens. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. You know, we got a, I got a call. I can't remember where I was. I was, out, I was out covering something that I was kind of interested in. This is what the Olympics is like. You know, you've got, there's, 50, there's 52 different sports or 58 different sports. And there could be 30 events happening at the same time. And 15 of them could involve Irish athletes. And they could be, you know, spread at a distance from here to Galway away. And you just have to pick the right one, you know? So, you know, classically, you'd be at the rowing and you get a call to say, where are you? And you say, I'm at the rowing. And they say, what are you doing at the rowing? One of, the, one of our sailors is in a bronze medal position. <laughs> right? So then you've got to go from basically here to Estonia to, to, get, to, the, <laughs> to get to the sailing, you know? Uh, but anyway, this happened in Athens. We were told... Um, you know, there's a real feeling that Keen O'Connor could win the gold tonight, you know. So we hightail it out to the equestrian centre and um, he wins the gold, like on water for crystal, gold for Ireland, you know. And we're sitting, we're sitting there in the, the media box, like knowing less than fuck all about equestrian, right? Like <laughs> the last time I watched equestrian, 
Like it was the it was like the horse show in uh, you know 1983 or something. The Aga Khan, and afterwards we used to run through the gardens. Uh, lads, you're too young to remember the, the days. I know, I know, I know about the Aga Khan part. Yeah, but we jump over the hedges, Gary. Like you know, you'd like the, the, so we lived we lived in a terrace house, like at the end of a terrace. So there's like five houses. So you're just running through the hedges, just pretending you're horses. Brilliant, <laughs> you know, absolutely brilliant. And um, but that was the last time I'd seen it. And then suddenly, uh, Ireland have a gold medal, and um, so we had to kind of bone up on equestrian and. And of course, then like six weeks later, I'm, I was in, I was in Paris, and I was covering Ireland against France, and um, Roy Keane was playing for Ireland. Roy Keane was back playing for Ireland at that stage, and uh, got a phone call to say the horse had failed a drug test, and uh, Keane O'Connor was going to have to give the medal back. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so. So that's kind of my last experience of kind of i suppose taking the olympics semi-seriously you know i saw too many things as well you know i remember i was on a bus one night um with paul kimmage and um we're sitting down the back of me of a kind of media bus there's these buses that do circuits between the media village the athletes village and and the venue the stadium and uh this athlete got on and uh took off his shirt and we're just looking at this back that was just covered in acne like it was like no way like a pizza like you know and you know what acne on the back means i mean it just yeah yeah steroids like you know and um but it was just how just how kind of unself-conscious he was of it like you know and he just was happy to show it off and there were some performances on the track and in the pool in those Olympics that I just didn't believe. Like, there were performances that stretched my credulity before, but those Olympics just made me think, this is, this is kind of gone now. Like, this is not a sport anymore. This is a freak show. Would you not watch Sunny in Tokyo, then? Um, I mean, I'm very busy at the moment anyway. Like, I'm busy with work and... Um, I mean, it's it's kind of it's one of those Olympics, like it's a, it's a kind of breastfeeders Olympics, really, isn't it? Like everything, like everything's happening in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. So if you if you had a new if you had a newborn baby in the house, it would just be be perfect, like you know. Yeah. But, um, but so that that comment was relevant to more way than one, given there was uproar over athletes who are currently breastfeeding. Yeah. Yeah. That's what oh, I, I, I missed this. What happened? I, I thought that's what you're referring to there for a minute. So, so did I, It's Olympics for people up in the middle of the in night. The middle, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Annie, does, does, I can't remember if, the, the name of the, the, the athlete in question, but um, essentially she was told, uh, yeah, no, you, you're not allowed to have your baby anywhere near the village and that kind of thing. No, I don't care if you're breastfeeding or the Olympics doesn't care if you're breastfeeding, rather. Is it because the breast milk would infringe the intellectual property rights of Coca-Cola? Possibly, yeah. Or Premier Dairies, one, one of the two, yeah. <laughs> but did you see, did you see as well, um, Danny, that the US Paralympic athlete, the yeah. blind athlete, uh, took herself off the team because they, she wasn't allowed to bring her, her aid with her? Like, yeah, her. yeah. So there's all sorts of things going on. And it, it does seem to be... Uh, issues that are affecting women mostly, sort of breastfeeding, that, that particular athlete. And then, was it the Norwegian? No, the Swedish or Norwegian or one of them, the, the handball team or something who... That's right. 
were told they can't wear shorts instead shorts. of bikini bottoms. Uh, and they were fined for trying to wear shorts rather than the bikini bottoms. Yeah. Just, yeah you're like, That's the beach volleyball, is it? Yeah. It must have been that, actually. I don't know where it's saying I, handball, yeah. I, I went to the, um, when I was in Sydney at the Games, uh, I went to the, the men's beach volleyball, right? Just because I had this theory that the women's beach volleyball was packed and, <laughs> and, the, and no one was at the men's beach, beach volleyball, right? And I went along just to see, was it, and I was totally right. The, the women's event, right, was absolutely packed. All men, like that's all that was in the audience. Like no women actually seem to be interested enough in women's beach volleyball to actually watch it. They're certainly not interested in men's. The men's event was empty. No one was there. Yeah, it, even that some of the sports. That sounds like in the height of the Celtic Tiger when the Dare Hunter had two lap dancers out the back every Sunday morning. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I only brought it up to Rob. Hey, actually. Yeah. That's a fact. Not dancing yeah. in the daytime. Like that kind of thing. In Midday on a Sunday. Right. Because I, I, when, I I, when I was a young lad, right, and I was starting off in journalism, the news editor of the Tribune was Kyle McQuilla, right, who was, you know, beforehand and afterwards, you know, worked for RTE. But he spent about three or four years as the news editor of the Tribune. And I was a freelance at the time. So I'd take any work I could get. Like I was trying to get into sport, but if somebody threw me so a news piece, I'd do it, you know? So Carl says to me, um, this was nine, the summer of 1992. He said to me, I want you to do this story. He said, there's a, there's a mud wrestling, there's female mud wrestling happening in this pub just off Capel street every <laughs> at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. Right. And oh my like, this is like, this is 92. This is pre-divorce Ireland. Like never mind repeal Ireland. This is, Divorce is still illegal. Like it was still very much a, um, a Catholic country, and um, so this was just scarcely believable that eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning uh, there could be mud wrestling. So any, anyway, I was quite skeptical, but I went along, and um, in I went. I didn't hide my notebook. Um, you know, I was front and center. It was a journal. Like they knew I was a journalist and nobody gave a shit, right? Nobody cared that I was actually writing about this. What the? Right? <laughs> so the whole setup was English. They, they flew the whole thing in, right? Lock, stock on. The girls were all English. Um, the guy, the compare was English, right? And he kind of started involving me in the show, right? So he's kind of saying, uh, uh, we've got the fucking Sunday Tribune here. Oh, you, <laughs> oh, you fuckers who told your wife you were going to church this morning. You're fucked. <laughs> and we had a photographer and he's taking pictures and um, all these men, like, you know, sitting there in their briefs, like, wait, I thought, who, who's going who's gonna to get in this big, massive, like, uh, inflatable pool full of mud about, you know, I'd say kind of maybe probably knee, a bit more than knee high, maybe thigh high, filled with mud. And, you know, can we get some volunteers? All the hands shoot up, men diving in, the women just baiting the hell out of them. Uh, I met Jim Rock there, actually. <laughs> Jim, it's the first time I ever met Jim Rock. Jim was... Jim what was, was he doing out. there? Jim was, Jim was sitting in the front row with a pair of Tarzan briefs, like, you know. And, <laughs> I like um, 
And he says to me, uh, that's the first time I actually got to, I got to know Jim. Jim was really a good friend of mine afterwards, you know. But he says to me, uh, what paper is this going to be in? And I thought he was going to, I thought he was threatening me, like, you know, what paper is this going to be in? And I said, it's in next week's Sunday Tribune. He says, I'll tell me, Matt, to get it. <laughs> right? And he rang me the next week. He was disappointed. The piece never ran in the end. Kyle McQuilla decided it was too low rent to run the piece, you know. And Jim rang me and said, geez, I'm very disappointed that didn't run. So but it, was, it was very funny. But it was just mad, like, to think that. That, that sounds absolutely crazy. I never knew yeah. that. I never knew the deer hunter had that kind of antics going on either. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But sure, you'd bricklayers take it home three grand a week. They had to get rid of it fucking somehow. Um, <laughs> there was, the, the, that, the mud wrestling had gone from Cable Street. So. There was that much fucking money going around, uh, that, you know, around that time. Um, yeah. Lads sticking 50 euro notes in uh, women's knickers to the back of the deer hunter, yeah? It was a thing. Yeah, mate of mine said he walked into his bathroom and the guy who was doing his plumbing was snorting coke off the back of his cistern at eleven o'clock in the morning. Fucking hell! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but lads, it's a great time in our lives, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say, right? What a time to be alive because yeah. you're out you're out Thursday to Sunday, yeah, and you still didn't even knock a hole in your wages. Um, sure, for fuck's sake, I, I know you've probably all heard this story, but there was mortgage stores everywhere, right? So you could be walking down Baggett Street, to be five or six mortgage stores, yeah. You could be walking up through Dunleary, to be 10 mortgage stores. There's yeah, all your story things. there, Gary. That's what I'm about to do, Brian. Can you edit that out, Daniel? Please, oh, yeah, noted, Gary. Thank you. Um, <laughs> myself and Gemma were off one day, it was a Tuesday, and we said, sure, we'll do a pub crawl at Dunleary. So we started off in Smith's and we had two drinks and we got up to the top of Wellington Street and there was a mortgage store called BMI Mortgages. And we said, sure, we'll go in for the crack and see what's happening here. Now, honest to God, under no pretense that we would be obliged to anything. So we gave the guy some details. And he said, look, I'll take all that on board and you'll probably hear from me in the next seven to ten days. We got as far as Hicks Butchers and my phone rang. And I said, hi, is that Gary? He said, yeah. He said, hi, this is Brian from BMI Mortgages. I said, hi, Brian. He says, yeah, I can get you approval for 305000 Like that. Jesus. And I said, are you fucking serious or what? Because I, I didn't hit some of the criteria because I wasn't in the same job for more than three years. Gemma had been in the bank for a while. Um, and then it, it just... It just snowballed from there. But it was just a mad time to be alive. But like Paul says, you know, is the country suffering for, you know, from it? Probably, yeah. But Jesus Christ, it, it was, was a great time to be alive. I mean, look, let's be honest. Like the hangover from it was horrendous, right? But at the time, I remember, uh, I remember The Wicked Wolf. Uh, this, the story that illustrates the Celtic Tiger better for, than any for me is The Wicked Wolf. On a, on a Monday night, walking in there, and there's, it was the, the old coyote ugly thing was big at the time, right? And there's two women standing on the bar in hot pants, cowboy boots, and Stetsons, right? 
and they're pouring vodka into the mouths of people. Like just like there's people just leaning back, dentist chair style on the bar. And these women are just walking the length of the bar and they're just pouring vodka into people's mouths. Free, like just pouring into their mouths. And uh, that'd be a Monday night, like, you know, every, every night in there was just mayhem. And then I remember going in there one, one around, it's kind of around the time, I, like Gary, I had an experience with a mortgage provider. I won't name them, like, you know, but they were, um, they were really, really keen that I should borrow uh, more money than I could possibly pay back. And I would be, very, I'm very conservative with money, like, you know, that's how I've ended up living, living down here, like, because, you know, so far from Dublin, because I just, I was just terrified of, of borrowing enough money to buy a house in Cromlech Fields which is where I wanted to live like you know but um, I went in I went into this mortgage provider and they said oh you know so how much have you in the bank and I showed them how much in the bank and they were right and they said do you have any other accounts and I said yeah I've got this account here but you know and they said well what's that they said Jesus you've got money in that and I said yeah but it's I, I'm self-employed so I, I take up like I take X amount out of every out of every hundred quid I, I earn I put the, the tax from that into this account so it's a revenue account you know and he said yeah but you've got to include that and I said but it's not my money and he said we don't know that uh, Jesus. <laughs> like, like that as well around 2004-2005 I worked in motor finance and I'd be dealing with new business through the garages and applications. And you'd have like applicants, mostly lads, say between 20 and 25, looking for five, six, seven, eight thousand uh, euro for, for a car loan. Now, they yeah. mostly would have been used car loans. Um, but I would basically input the application, I'd send it over to the underwriter. And loads of times, like I, I can't even remember, I lost track of the amount of times, but daily the underwriter would say to me, he's looking for eight grand. Just tell him we'll give him 15 or 16, whatever he wants. Jesus. And like all the lads were like, holy shit, I can get, I, I can, instead of getting the, the Punto, I can get the Golf TDI. Yeah. You know I mean? And then I, about three years, so they would be getting those loans over five years. And three years into it, a lot of them would be coming back into the credit control department can't pay their bills because yeah. the arse was starting to fall out. Like it was they figured out that it was still financially, it was still financially viable to have a model where fifty percent of people defaulted. Yeah, like they, you, they, they, they that's crazy still, though, isn't it? They could still make money out of it. There was that great phrase at the time that you'd be described. You were you were debt poor. Like if you didn't yeah. owe anyone any money. You were you were dead poor, and they they just placed this negative connotation on not owing anyone any money. Yeah, but it got so bad in that motor finance company that I worked in. They're gone, but it got so bad three four years later after that uh, example that the credit control department was doing overtime Saturdays and Sundays. Jesus, but they were shuttered like they were the first businesses to go, weren't they? After when yeah, the crash yeah, happened, yeah, they were, yeah. like they yeah, were shuttered within two weeks, if my memory serves yeah. me right. Like you know, yeah. massive yeah. motor dealerships with 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 SUVs in them were suddenly like shuttered overnight. Yeah. Absolutely, it, yeah, they it's, were. It, it's mad because like I I kind of missed the peak of it. Like I I started college like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. The kind of the the shit was hitting the farm. We were in the last days of the Roman Empire. So some of the stuff you were describing there, Paul, like going into the Wicked Wolf and guys fucking having vodka poured into their mouth and all that. 
there were still elements of that going on in some nightclubs. They were still trying to live out this kind of fake it till you make it almost yeah, funny yeah. way of doing it. But you could, other than the college crowd who were just kind of like, well, we're in college, we're going to have the crack anyway or whatever. You could see the people who just, you know, 18, 24 months ago were living this life and now it was sitting at a bar and it was head and hands territory. It was, it was, it was a crazy flip. Like, yeah, it was just. Yeah, yeah. But like, even with that, like we, we would, we would accumulate reports at the end of the month and then the end of the quarter to see how much that we'd be loaning out. And the number, like it just, it didn't make sense that we were loaning out so much. And then you'd have the managing director and the big wigs genuinely going down to the fucking, the Galway tent. And then they'd be mm. going to the Ryder Cup that was in the K-Club and all. And yeah, yeah. Um, is, this, is this where you learned tricks of the trade then, Merlo, for your 2016 escapades? <laughs> Me, 2016. Before 2016, so he's never paid for... Uh, well, that's actually true. Sorry, it would have been 2014, 15, wouldn't it? In the build-up uh, to... Graham doesn't even know what an NCT or car tax is, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, but now the punch bowl was full and everybody kept drinking. Um, but I have to say it was a great time to be alive and working because what a fucking party did we as Paul says was the hangover bad absolutely yeah but I tell you what I'd, I'd love another go with it 100% ah uh, yeah 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 I, I totally agree and like I, I'm, I'm older than you lads and I, but I remember like not long before that when we were really poor like, like to borrow money in Ireland, like, you know, the inter- you were paying like 17% interest. It was really expensive to borrow money. And suddenly it just became like, you know, nothing to you. Culturally, there was a big cultural shift where like to borrow money for anything other than a house when I was a kid, right? It was considered like the height of recklessness. Like, you know, if you went, like bank managers were serious people. Like, they were staples of comedy, right? That I have to go in and meet the bank manager. Oh, ha, ha. You know, it was considered, like, a big deal. And then suddenly, bank managers had were wearing short sleeve shirts and they weren't wearing ties. And they, call, you know, you'd call them by their first names and stuff. It just it was a big cultural shift. And then they had ads on the television um, for banks. I remember one particular ad where there was an actor talking about how a loan from maybe AIB changed his life. Like, and like everybody knows the most un, untrustworthy profession in the world is acting, right? Because they're always, they're always unemployed. Yeah. Like you're unemployed 90% of the time. So it was, it was very, very deliberate that they chose an actor uh, for that because they're basically saying, we will lend money to fucking anyone. Like, you know, even <laughs> if you're an actor, right? <laughs> we will lend you money. And, um, so, so, but, but when, like when I always tell the story about when I bought my first computer, like it was, it was called, it was by a company called Wang and Wang was this, uh, computer company in Limerick. Um, but, but they, they never made the transition because I, I think they thought the internet was going to be a fad or something like, you know, so they, <laughs> so they kind of ended when the internet kind of, but anyway, that's not going to happen. Like, yeah, I, th- I bought this Wang in, in 1993. And we bought it on what we used to call the never, never, like, you know, it was, it was on the electricity bill and I'd pay it so much out per month. And I think it was paying, I think it cost about four grand or something over seven years or something stupid. Like it was really expensive. But my dad 
and mom had to offer the house as a guarantee against this loan of four grand. Right? So that's 93. By the time I'd made the last payment on that computer, I was getting letters from, from the bank offering me 10 grand unsecured loan that I never even asked for. I never even said, can I have 10 grand? I got a letter from, I was getting letters from banks I didn't even bank with offering me 10 grand. Hmm. Um, so so for, for, for those of us who remember, who remember being poor, and I mean really poor, like it was such a cultural shock. It was it was yeah. huge culture shock. Was it? Did 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 you ever think Paul, it was too good to be true? Oh, every day, every <laughs> single day, I did. I did. I knew there was going to be a reckoning. I didn't think it would happen so quickly. But yeah, well, I I thought it was too good to be true when I was getting the credit card sent with ten grand max on it. I was like, I didn't even apply for this credit card. Yeah. That's I remember going to, I called into the RDS one day, I was driving out of town and there was a Bulgarian property exhibition on. And, oh yeah. yeah. And Gary I just bought a in. couple of apartments in Bulgaria, didn't you Gary? I did, yeah. Well, nothing to be ashamed of, you know, a lot of people <laughs> did. But I swung in just to have a look and there's this, there's this guy, like I'd say he was about 22 or something. Like, say, he hadn't even started shaving yet, this guy. And he's telling me, you know, Bulgaria is the place, place to buy. And he was giving me the guns, like, Bulgaria is the place to buy, dude. And, um, <laughs> giving me the guns. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, I, I, said, I said to him, um, can, can, you, can you give me some brochures to take away? Because I was just doing it to get information for Ross like I thought this like because I was taking all this Celtic Tiger stuff and putting it into the column at the time when I was with the Sunday Tribune I said can you give me some brochures to take away and he said we don't believe in them right, <laughs> 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 right? and this wasn't an eco- this wasn't for ecological reasons like it wasn't to save on pet they, were, they weren't the first paperless company they were basically there were no brochures because they didn't want you to give serious consideration to this. This was a snap decision that mm. you were expected to take at the time. I remember as well that there were no chairs. Uh, there was nowhere to sit in this place. It was a big open plan hall and it was just, just kind of high tables like you'd see in a bar with no stools and then lads with laptops at them. And so there was no time... Like the, the thing is, if you sat down, you might go, actually, this is fucking crazy. But if they kept you standing, you might go, look, just fucking do it. I'll buy it. And I'm sure they got, they caught loads of people like that. Uh, they did, of course. So, so yeah, just, yeah. just before uh, the crash, um, Eddie Hobbs was uh, punting for people to buy apartments in Spain uh, on golf courses and stuff. Now, this is a man who was meant to be completely clued in to financial circumstances and obviously what came around the corner. Um, but I suppose it's like anything in life. It's a gamble, isn't it? And yeah, sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I remember. Sorry, go on, Gar, Sorry. No, but it's, it's all about taking a chance, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't trust yeah, the pubs now as far as I could throw. Well, yeah, that, that goes there saying. But like what you were saying there, Paul, like... I, I, I remember I used to go into the bank, right? And... I had I had some money in the bank. I didn't have a lot of money in the bank, but I had some savings in the bank, you know. And um, every every time I go, I go in to pay me bills, right? Because I was I was very late to internet banking. I'm a bit of a technophobe, right? So I would go in with the with the ESB. <laughs> I had never noticed. 
Yeah, yeah. I agree with the USB bill and they say, can I pay this bill? And I go, yeah, yeah, no problem at all, you know. And, I, and they just kind of, and I go, you know, you've got some money in this account. And I go, well, well yeah, it's me savings, yeah. Do you mind me asking, what are your plans for it? That's what they say. What are your plans? <laughs> what are your plans, right? So I would just say, well, I just got fucking sick of it. Like, it was almost like they were shaming you about having savings, like that, there was, that this was somehow you know, errant behavior to actually say. So I, I just started being snarky to them. Like when they said, what are you plans with money? I said, well, really for you just to put it in your safe and, and to have it when I come and look for it, basically, which they didn't eventually, of course, you know, you had to fucking bail them out. Um, but it was always, and they keep trying to set you up, you know, you know, this money isn't actually working for you. You know, you should get this, wor- you want to get this working for you. And they try to set you up with some... <laughs> What does that mean? Like, what is working? What does that mean? Invest it. I'm looking for you to invest. Yeah, I mean, I'd be deeply suspicious of it because we 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 would have been raised to believe that you work for money, that money doesn't work for you. But there is there is a class of people, as we know, who who believe that money money actually does all of the heavy lifting and money does all the work. And during the Celtic Tiger, everybody started to believe, or at least they were trying to push that idea on people. You know that. Um, for instance, we could all become landlords, you know, like we, we fought wars against landlords in this country, like landlord, ending landlordism was at the heart of the nationalist movement. That's what it was all about. It was about fucking out landlords. And as soon as we got a few Bob, we all became landlords. (laughs) Well, I didn't, but I mean, that was the, that was the thing. It was like, well, what am I going to do with this money? Why don't you just buy five houses and 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 rent them out to people <laughs> who can't afford a deposit? Like you know, and we're living with the we're living with the the result of that today, where no yeah. nobody can. Ah, big time, yeah. I've I've i well, I wouldn't say he's a mate. He's a, he's an acquaintance. Uh, I'll probably edit that out because he listens to the podcast and he hears this. And I'm talking about him. Uh, I have a mate who uh, he would consider himself a bit of a financial guru, and uh, I, I don't always agree with him, but he. He's like that the whole landlord thing. So he's done the whole uh, have a have a boy to rent property. So mm. he, he has his own gaff, but then he he got a second gaff to basically rent it out, and that's yeah. what pays it pays the mortgage on the rental property and on his own gaff. So this is what he does, and he you know, and like that we've had the the, the debate, the conversation with the kind of whole thing of like you know you're kind of fucking people up, and all. he doesn't give a shit about all that. But he's the same fella as well. Just when you were saying there about uh, money should work for you. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a little pension. It, it, it worked like, and he was like, "Do you, do you, uh, do you control that, or do you just let it do its own thing?" And I was like, "I, I just let it do." Like I was like, "I just look, it comes out of me salary. It's, it's, you know, and hopefully when I'm old, it's there." And he's like, "No, no, 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 man. You need, you need to pick up the phone. You need to get onto them. You want it in. Uh, what did he say? You want it in emerging markets and equities. That's what you want. Tell them that." And I was like, "I, I don't understand any of that." And he's like, "You don't need to understand it. You just need to trust yeah. me." The modern day version of that is Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I mean, Gary, I, I can't. I don't understand. Can you listen? I'm, I'm delighted. This, this Gary, Gary, you say, Gary, I don't understand it, right? Like, I can't work, I can't turn on our television, and I'm not even exaggerating. Right? <laughs> so, 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 Gary has here. the perfect analogy for people like that. I, I, like, I, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Um, but I, I do know a couple of people who've who've done the whole Bitcoin thing now a, a long time ago, and have done okay out of it. 
Um, but when Joe Soap on the street is telling you that if you're not doing that with Bitcoin, you need to get your head together. The ship has sailed. Yeah. You know, it's gone. So yeah. I was in the barbers a couple of weeks ago and waiting for me shot to get on the chair, like to get me tidy up and all that. And there's a fella telling the barber, um, you're doing that with Bitcoin. Your man's like, oh, no, I don't know anything about it. He said, oh, man, he said, I've done 40 grand the last four weeks. Now, this fella had um, a pair of Lacoste runners on that were older than me. <laughs> so I don't think he's done 40 grand in the last four weeks. But I said, I know I, I wasn't rude, but I said, excuse me, do you mind me asking you, um, if I download an app and I put 10 euros into Bitcoin, can you tell me where the 10 euros goes? Because I don't understand it. And he says, it goes into the stratosphere. And I said, okay. So I said, if I download the Power City app and I put a tenner into it, I can put a tenner off a washing machine or a dishwasher or whatever. I know where my tenner's gone. So can, it, can you explain to me what buying, what buying Bitcoin is? And he said, it's all about the atmosphere and the stratosphere. And I said, thanks very much. It's, it's, the ship is gone, lads, when uh, Joe Soap is talking to you about it. That's a fact. Yeah, somebody said to me years ago about the property market. Uh, they, I, I said uh, that somebody, somebody in our company was saying, oh, Poland is the place to buy. And this guy said, no, no, no. Poland was the place to buy six months ago. And he said, well, where's the place to buy now? And he said, we won't know for another six months. And, and then it'll be somewhere else. <laughs> 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 like, so there's so many of these, but, and Bitcoin kind of strikes me a bit like that. I don't know how it works, but it's, it, it kind of sounds like snake oil to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. See, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, and I mean, I know we're all fucking, you know, you're using your, your tap, which are debit card or whatever now and all that kind of stuff. And even that stuff is still a bit, I'm still a little bit shaky with it. I don't like this idea of everything contactless. Like, no, yeah, I have mean, a, a tenor in my wallet, and I don't know if it's worth a tenor anymore as such. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> you can't like the whole Bitcoin thing and all. It all sounds very sexy, and it all sounds very. But I mean, I couldn't walk into Duns in the morning, do you know, fill up my trolley, and then get to the counter, and you know, when your one says cash or card, and I go, no, no, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. They're not. They're not. Yeah. They're, your one's gonna look at me as if I'm fucking high. Like, do you know what I mean? She definitely so, would in Duns and our club. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, by the way, since we're on that subject, that was a segue, Paul. Yeah, good I, segue, I, Paul. What about that? Flawless lads, flawless. <laughs> I had this. I had. I, I see. One of the reasons I was just delighted you te- you email last week is I've been keeping this to myself. Like this story that happened very recently in Duns and Arklow, and I just need to talk to someone about it. <laughs> Anyways, it was Gary, Gary's the man. I'd say, is he? Well, yeah, I think I think I will get I think I'll get a sympathetic hearing from Gary, even if I don't from you too. Right? He is, he is <laughs> our close agony aunt. So there was some there was some minor rule breaking on my part, right? Norm breaking, I would say, rather than rule breaking. But essentially, I'm in Arclo. I've a I've a I've a, sh- I've a uh, basket full of provisions, right? And I make my way to the ten items or less counter, right? Where the cashier says to me, uh, sorry, you've got more than 10 items there. Right? I had 14 items in the basket, right? The, the supermarket was almost empty. There was nobody behind me in the queue. Absolutely nobody behind me in the queue. And he made me go 
and stand behind a woman with a full trolley, right? And you, because he didn't want to put four extra items through. And it was just so he did not, he, he just sat there doing nothing. So, you know, <laughs> Jesus, that really helped to, to talk about that. Thanks, guys. There's a, a little trick with that, Paul. You tell them you're doing two separate transactions. Slightly awkward for you, it's, you know what I mean, but just, it, fuck, I've done it before. I had, a same, I had a similar incident before at an express checkout. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, no, but it's two separate transactions. I'm doing, I'm doing a quick shop for my mom as well. Yeah. I should have done that. Or do you know what I should have done, actually? Did you been. not debate with him, Paul? Did you not say, did you no. not say, look? No. You, can't, you can't debate with stupid. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't fix it. You can't like fix stupid, stupid and incompetent is a hell of a combination. You know? <laughs> but the whole, Paul, the whole, like, the whole experience of the Bridgewater Shopping Centre in Arklow is exactly what you've just described because that's where Dunn's is. Hmm. So, like, Eason's, for example, in the Bridgewater in Arklow is hmm. an is an absolute experience because the, the majority of the people that work there are aggressive. And now I know you have connections, Paul, to Easton, so I don't expect you to expand on this. I've already gr- found an excellent Gary, like I have to say, you know, but you know, your they're, own experiences are your own. But yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they're a favorite bookshop at this podcast, I'll say. Yeah, Aldrin Adams and the Cheese Nightmares is available to buy, but um, <laughs> especially in Easton's, it's a- yeah. <laughs> In, in all good bookshops and some rubbish ones too. Go on, Morris Mackle. I, I, I had an incident, well, many an incident in Eason's and Arco, and I asked, was it company policy to employ aggressive lesbians? Because <laughs> Gary, it, they're so fucking rude at times. Now, I would have been buying school books and stationery for the kids and stuff. Um, and the, the, the experience is, is very unpleasant. <laughs> But TK Maxx in there as well, um, an absolute shit show. Argos, a shit show. Um, GameStop, a shit show. I don't know. I, I, would you not, not with Easton's Paul? Would you agree generally that the experience of the Bridgewater is <laughs> underwhelming? Yeah, my shopping, my I mean Easton's. Is, I I love the Easton's in there, and I, I find that I find the staff very helpful and. Um, and I'm always in it, but I tell you, I, there was a, there was a, there's been a couple of cafes in there uh, where I had bad experiences, like you know where I, I was in there once and some somebody on the counter started serving uh, people who were behind me in the queue because they knew them, like you know. And oh just, no! It just makes me mad. I just straight out, you know. But <clears throat> I had another experience in that same Dunn stores once where um, I was drinking a coffee. And uh, this uh, junior manager guy, <clears throat> who was about 20, uh, came up to me and said, uh, sorry, no eating or drinking in the store. And uh, there was a woman giving out <clears throat> free samples of chicken dippers about 10 feet away. And uh, <laughs> so I said, I said, what about that? He said, it doesn't matter, it's not allowed. And he went over. Sounds like the IOC. He took a chicken dipper. And he ate, he ate it and then went back into the, into the junior manager's office. So it was kind of, it was just really obnoxious, like just unnecessarily obnoxious. But, um, but anyway, the guy, what I should have done looking back, Danny, really is, I should have just said, actually, do you know what? I think I'll leave these items and then just walked out of the shop. Mm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I just, I'm, I didn't have, the, I'm a moral coward. Um, really? Did you, you'd avoid confrontation, would you, Paul? 
No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, you know, no, that that wouldn't be fair at all. I, I like, you know, I, I kind of, I do like a row. You know, I do. I think it kind of gets the head open pumping occasionally. You know, um, I, I don't know. Was I telling you on the podcast last time? Was I telling you before about the the man shouting at me because of the dog because of Humphrey? <laughs> I don't know. You told me about this yeah, privately, yeah. pal. This is a cracker. <laughs> No. Well, I'm walking Humphrey on a Sunday morning <laughs> in a park and, and Humphrey barked. It was like 20 past 10, half 10 <clears throat> on a Sunday morning. And suddenly we had this man leaning out his window, uh, naked from the waist up, possibly from the waist down as well, for all I know. But just, he was kind of standing at the window ledge, uh, shouting at me that he was trying to have a lie in. And um, anyway. Was this in Salorgan? Yeah. Oh, you did, you did tell us. And um, you didn't tell us on the podcast. Didn't tell us on the podcast. Oh, okay. There was a bit of an exchange between us, let's just say. You know, <laughs> there was an exchange, a sharp exchange of views. And um, he, he, said, he said to me, uh, You're all dog lovers, so I'd you'll, you'll, you'll see the humor in this. He said to me, Train your dog. And I said, What, what, what do you mean, train him? He said, Train him not to bark. And uh, he said, that's like saying train your children not to cry. Like, you know, it's just, just it's not going to happen, you know? And he said, uh, but it's bothering me. And I said, but, but it, doesn't bother, it doesn't bother me. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. So anyway, we're shouting, we're, sh- we're shouting at each other, Romeo and Juliet style, like him, him from the window and me from down below. And um, a sharp exchange of views, shall we say. But anyway, about five days later, I was back in the park and he was up in the window taking photographs of me with a, with a long lens camera. <laughs> Jesus. So I just said to him, oh, open the window, open the window. So he opened the window and I just said, you're having a breakdown, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this was kind of, this was last year, this was lockdown two, like, you know, <laughs> and um, we'd all been in the house far too long at that stage, you know. And I said, um, I said, you're having a breakdown. I said, like, you know, you need to get out. <laughs> Go and meet some people. Talk to people. And, you didn't um, get a dog. But I, do, I, don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind a confrontation now. I kind of, you know, somebody whistles at me or beeps me in their car. It's happened yesterday, ma'am. It's kind of beep, 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 at me in his car to tell me he was angry about, you know, the, the way I'd parked. I'd, I'm straight up to the window to talk to him. Like, I, I love, I love it. Like, if in the right, like in the right, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be aggressive or anything, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't shrink away from it. Mm. You can't be a, 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 a random row with the public. It's fantastic. It can go anywhere, like. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling, Gary, that you've uh, you've a recent one or two in you there. Ah, oh, Jesus, yeah. Um, obviously, in my uh, work domain, there's a lot of uh, confrontation. Um, people come into our place for a row, you know. They, it's 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 them against us for some reason. They don't realise we have bills and fucking feral little fuckers to feed, um, and we have to work. And that's what our line of employment is. But uh, you just have to rise above it uh, and laugh. What was the, the customer you had, Gary, with the mask? Oh, during the first lockdown? Yeah. 
yeah, fella come into the shop and no mask on him, you know. His nickname was Homer, actually. Uh, Homer, you have to have a mask on. He says, I don't have one. I said, well, you have to have one or you can't come in. And he says, I'm not going to be long. I said, well, you have to have one. You can't come into the shop. And one of the customers says, here, Homer, I'm going now in a second. You can have mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, there's a, your man hands his mask to Homer and Homer comes in and does his business. Like Jesus. It's, listen, we're trying to stop the spread of a virus here. And these are literally French kissing. Exactly. We share the island with morons. You just have to look to Twitter today uh with the hashtag not my president because of the bill that the president yeah. signed and people not realizing what powers the president had. The president has no power. And yeah. But on, on like unfortunately, like what we're living like it's mad. Like if you think about it, people who don't want to take the vaccine have a huge issue with people who have took it. But people who wanted it and have took it couldn't give a fuck about people who don't want it. Um, it, it this soap opera has kind of occurred from COVID where um, we have these online superheroes who think it's a hoax and who think mm. it's coercion and we're being... If you take the vaccine, uh, there's a Bluetooth section in your kneecap to tune <laughs> you to fucking not drink water. It's just fucking mad. But I think it, it comes from maybe people being locked up for too long, uh, going down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Um, Gemma O'Doherty stuff, really, isn't it? You know, what is it that you said, Gary, though, that you said that if... Like, you said to me that I guarantee if you told them that... What did you say? Or that if they take... They would take the vaccine if it was... Oh, yeah. Well, what I said was, because Luke O'Neill has been talking about it, if in the next five to ten years there's a vaccine for cancer, which, please God, there is, would you take it? Right? So if there was a vaccine for cancer, we'd all hop off it, wouldn't we? Yeah. Queuing up at fucking three in the morning to get it. Um, People won't take it because it's COVID. I guarantee if there's a, a, a vaccine for cancer, they would. But it's the same people who uh, won't take the vaccine, shovel shit up their nose uh, Thursday yeah. to Sunday. I don't. I, think I, can, I can vouch. I know some. I know someone who who uh, was a, was a heavy heavy recreational drug user uh, who took stuff, didn't even know what it was, uh, who wouldn't take the vaccine. Yeah, it, yeah. it boils my piss, like you know. Yeah, I, I know a few of them. I know. I... If you could they get high off it, they'd probably they'd be a lot more successful take-up, wouldn't there? Like probably, if, yeah. if, if, the, if you got a buzz off the vaccine, say if you, <laughs> like just say if you just, like if your jaw kept like that and <laughs> hug everyone, you wanted to hug everyone for about four hours afterwards and you just kept dancing out of, all the way out of the Aviva and then it just suddenly wore off. I think there'd be a bigger take-up, like, you know, so I think they're missing a trick. Johnson and Johnson and... Pfizer and everything they just need to put a buzz into it yeah exactly yeah. but like I, I believe in choice if you don't want to take it don't take it but don't be telling people who want to take it or feel that they should take it that it's a hoax or it's coercion I've, I've muted and unfollowed an awful lot of people on social media over the last 12 months yeah uh, same. A, lot of, a lot of people who like 
you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't see them often, but if you saw them in the shops, you'd stop and have a chat for them. And if I saw them in the shops now, I'd go down another aisle and try to get the fuck out as quick as I could. Like, yeah. But you think there's two worlds here, Danny? Like, do you think there's the? I mean, there's the social media world and the the real world, right? And I I I know people, friends of mine who I get on great with. When I see them on Twitter, I just go, "Who is this guy?" If I didn't know this person, mm. I w- I would think they would. You know, I I just think there's something there's something wrong there, like you know. But I I think the the thing that we're all learning about Twitter. I've had a couple of couple of friends of mine have had really sharp lessons in this over the last year or so with cancelings and stuff like that. Yeah. We're not we're not meant to communicate with each other in la, in this large group in, in in such a large group, right? You know. So if you've got say if you've got three thousand Twitter followers, right? you can kind of start to fool yourself into thinking that it's like a, it's like a group of friends or something, you know, but it's not like Facebook, Facebook, you could kind of say, well, most of the people who follow me are people who like me or people who exes who are stalking me or people who are following me and like pretending to wish me well, but despise me or something like that, you know, but with Twitter, you're followed by all these people who might like something you said about, about Liverpool, but might hate something you said about, COVID or something. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. You get drawn into rows with these people and then you start to think your job is to is to keep all of these people on side. It's not, your job isn't even to talk to these people. We're not, we're not hardwired to, to have 20 or 30,000 people in our lives whose approval uh, is important to us, whose opinion is important to us. You know, there's, I, I scroll down through my Twitter feed every morning and I'm just reminded of two things. Like, first thing is, it's not important to have an opinion on absolutely everything. And the second thing is, the three most underrated words in the English language, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody, nobody on Twitter says, I don't know. Every, it's that sureness everybody has about absolutely everything. You know, well, let me, let us, me. Let, let me ask you, Paul, right? During this time, right, the last 16, 7 months, actually, it's open to the floor. Why, why have people we know, people we class as acquaintance, friends, family, that use social media, why have they, they suddenly accepted the words of someone from social media as opposed to an expert? Why are they taking the gospel of Joan up the road or, or, or David down the road, as opposed to, as Gary referenced, Luke O'Neill? Or why are people getting fed up of Luke O'Neill on the telly when he is passing a scientific message? Like, I don't get it. I don't get, like, why people are just saying, well, so-and-so said this and you heard about this and they're yeah. getting their information from Facebook. Well, see, it's, it's, it's actually perfect what's happening at the moment is perfect for that kind of thing you're talking about, right? Because uh, the authorities have never faced anything like this before. Like, you know, like Spanish, Spanish flu is the last thing that's comparable to this. And Spanish flu wasn't even covered in the newspapers at the time. Killed 25 million people worldwide. I was talking to Roddy Doyle at an event. And Roddy, when he was researching a star called Henry and that trilogy he did around the Easter Rising, he said he, he read all the newspapers from, from kind of 1916 to, you know, 1924. And Spanish flu was rampant at the time. He said it just wasn't covered in the papers. 
right? So now it's just, this is the only thing that's been, it's the top of the news agenda all the time. Um, but this experiment, and it is an experiment really in locking people down. We've never done this before. Uh, and I think they've made, they've made an awful lot of mistakes. They've given out a lot of misinformation um, and they've had to, you know, even the, the chief medical officer of Britain yesterday released a statement saying, uh, you know, I think he said something like 60% of yeah. people admitted to hospital in the UK have COVID. And then he put, put out a correction later on saying, oh, sorry, what I meant was the exact opposite of what I said, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of this kind of stuff. Now, the, the problem is the rules of lockdown, because it's a totally unnatural thing to tell somebody to lock down, right? They have to invent rules like, well, you know, if you, if you buy a nine euro meal, then you can go to a pub. And if you only stay for 105 minutes, and those kind of things, because they're making them up as they go along, are just open to ridicule because they just seem arbitrary. You know, it just seems like they've just made that up on the spot, 105. So it's easy to take the piss out of that. And we all know that these rules, the 105 minutes and the, 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 the nine euro meal, is essentially to stop what happened on St. Patrick's Day uh, just after the pandemic arrived, which was just like hundreds of people absolutely hammered with their social you know, inhibitions, blown away, hugging each other, singing Sweet Caroline, all the rest of it. That's essentially, they're trying to stop Paddy going on the piss. That's, that's what all of the, those rules are about. But there's so many of these rules, they've made so many mistakes. They've, you know, saying at the beginning that masks won't help and now now masks are mandatory, you know, saying that those tests you do yourselves don't work. And now, you know, there's talking of bringing them in. Um, so where there's, where there's mistakes and misinformation and gaps in knowledge, that's where, that's where myths and bullshit floods and in creative. to fill the void. You know, it's yeah, all about exactly. filling the void. And you got to remember, I think, generally we're very gullible like we, we were talking about the celtic tiger earlier on um you know like aircom shares i'll just give you that as an example aircom shares anybody who's who, who's ever had any experience uh of, of ringing aircom with a complaint will 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 would, would probably know that this is not the kind of company you would want to own shares in because it's it, it just you know, if you have if you have experience of dealing with their customer relations people, you'll know that you know, and you're, you're waiting for an hour or something to talk to someone, or you're waiting a week for an engineer. You think, well, well that doesn't seem to be a company that I would like to uh, own. I, I don't think it'd be financially wise to have an investment in that company. And yet, it was oversubscribed, and loads of tens of thousands of people who knew threw money into Aircom shares because they were told like so many other things during the Celtic Tiger, you'd be mad not to do it. You'd be utterly mad not to do it. And I think we are generally um, gullible people. We're yeah, easily led. I think, I think there's a, a 100% right, Paul. 100% right. I fully agree with everything you said there. And I think the, the point you're making around the whole, where, where there's confusion from what's supposed to be the voice of authority it gives that kind of like, and look, we, we don't exactly have a very popular government. You know what I mean? It's, it's held together by fucking Pritstick and Bluetack. And you have then this mass discontent anyway. So any, any time that government looks weak, it gives P 
people who don't want that government there the chance to say, right, well, we're going to make them look even more stupid than they are. So all this kind of false narrative and this kind of misleading information uh, plays into it. And you get this circle jerk then of people who they want to listen to their mate who also doesn't like the government because they want confirmation bias. They want to feel as though I'm right and they're wrong. And they have this false suspicion of, you constantly hear mainstream media or the MSM, you know, and it's kind of like rather than them actually going out and buying the Irish Times or fucking, you know, buying uh, a Sunday Business Post or whatever, they're taking it off Gripped or they're taking it off one of those fucking Facebook pages that claim to be a news site. And, you know, it, 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 I'm baffled by the amount of people that I see sharing those kind of stories from those kind of places that, that they, you know they have an ulterior motive. You know they have an agenda. How it's, often, can I ask you, you lads are, yeah. are all on them on Twitter, like, you know. How often do you think about leaving? Fairly regularly. All social media. The, the only one that I actually enjoy, the only one that I, I kind of like using is Instagram. I've got to get yeah. a bit of crack out of Instagram. It seems a lot more sane than all your own. But I, I love I love Twitter for nights like say when Italy lose the European Championship final. Um, Italy love, win the European Championship final. Sorry, Italy yeah. win the. I meant to say England lose. Um, um, where it becomes a bit of satire, but there are definitely times through yeah. sixteen months where I've said to myself, "Ah, oh. instead but, of it, because I do enjoy Twitter, but instead I just mute people." Like yeah, that. that's yeah. Instagram is, is my friend. I love like the, the mute button and even muting certain words on Twitter has made it a lot better over the last twelve months for me. Like, there's mm-hmm. I've pretty much any phrase to do with Shamrock Rovers, I have muted. Uh, you'll never <laughs> walk alone. YNWA, Red Liverpool Man, Football Cop, Club, LFC. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All the, all those terms are oh, muted Dan, for me. You miss me saying Liverpool Football Club at least once a week for the last yeah. three years. Yeah, I, I, I I'll email them to you. <laughs> once a fucking week. <laughs> once a day. <laughs> once a day. Gary, what did you what do you take on this subject? I was never on social media. Um, no, I just mean um, about the whole. You know, people people believe the rabbit hole stuff. Yeah, no, people believe in what John and Mary say from Facebook as <sighs> opposed I, to experts. I t- well, what Paul says obviously about gullibility, but I think a, a lot of it is to do with a lot of people haven't done anything for the last seventeen months, but scroll through their phones, and mm. you you look at something and you read it and you go, oh my god! Then you go to the next thing, and then it leads you to maybe a publication who tells you that it's a hoax, and you just you're down the rabbit hole. Then it's too late, isn't it? Yeah, um, I remember listening to a doctor um, who who his job is to create um vaccines for tropical diseases and he was being interviewed at the start of this process and he also um researched a book or he also wrote a book about it i think it was called there it was something along the lines of because his son was born uh with autism so he wrote the book to debunk the lies that um linked vaccines to autism mm. and he basically said you know, I researched the book, I have a PhD, I, you know, I'm an expert in this field. I proved in my book that there's no link between vaccines and autism. And he said the saddest thing about the release of that book is that in the Amazon top 10 or wherever it was, the nine, he was number 10 and the nine books on the topic, on the exact same topic, 
were written by nobodies. When he's the doctor, the professor in all of this, the nine previous books are written yeah, by the, 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 See, the, the only thing I'd say about that is we need to be, you need to be a little bit careful not to make kind of a false god out of people who have just the, the initials doctor and, and you know what i mean oh but no i 100 like, dolores dolores cahill is an example of that you know what i mean and i can't remember who, who someone made the point to me a long time ago and it fucking struck with me because like you're 100 right in any field in any fucking anything you know what i mean you go off to medical school and whatever and it could be 30 people in your class somebody has to finish bottom of that class somebody is just about scraped fucking through you know what mm-hmm. i mean and there's always like there's always like the other thing is like just intelligence the, the intelligence it takes to pass an exam, it, it, you know, it's it's not always it, it's not always you know a great skill in in it's sort of proving that you're a leader. Like yeah. I knew I knew people in 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 college and school who were incredibly smart people, but Jesus yeah. Christ, you wouldn't have trusted them to direct a seagull to the coast, like you know. <laughs> and there are, you know there are people in college who are who are top of the class, who are, who are deeply dysfunctional people. Like, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I don't think it it necessarily accords that, that, that that because somebody's intelligent, that they should be, they should be trusted, especially, you know. My point in all that was that he scientifically proved in his book that there's no link, but the previous Mm. time books didn't scientifically, but they were top of the charts. I heard Ricky Gervais was interviewed and I was listening to this great, it's brilliant interview. And they were talking about, um, the, the, the process of putting a mo- testing your movie in front of an audience. You know about this, that they basically, there's so many movies had totally different endings that they went back and reshot because they got 50 or 100 people in off the street and got them to watch it. And then they wrote down their opinions and went to the director and went, yeah, 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 but we think this should happen in the end. The, these 100 randomers think this mm-hmm. should have happened in the end. And some people believe in it. And some people don't believe in it, but some studios absolutely insist on it because it's it actually scientifically it works, right? They've proven that if they let the audience decide whether you know Marley the dog should die in the end or not, then it will be a successful hit, right? So they're not idiots, these people. But Ricky Gervais was talking about uh, apparently uh, they tested Rain Man, right, and they they got a hundred people to watch it. And one of the comments was, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, but I thought the little lad was snapped out of it by the end. (laughs) And it was such a great story, right? It's such a great story that illustrates that the public, you're dealing with idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's what we're dealing with on social media. We're dealing with... But speaking of rabbit holes, like, have you... Do you ever click on any of them? You won't believe what Michelle from EastEnders looks like now. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hell, yeah. The the amount of days I've lost at work, right, from clicking one of them things, like, (laughs) what's your man that... Gunter, you won't believe what Gunter out of Friends looks like now. I click on it. He looks the exact fucking same. Um, He hasn't changed a bit in 30 years. Exact same. Michelle from EastEnders just looks like Michelle from EastEnders 30 years later. <laughs> but, yeah. but then you see, there's a click on that and it goes, you know, you won't, you won't believe this heartwarming moment between a father and his daughter. And you're like, click on that, just have a look at that, you know? And then you won't believe what these dolphins did to save this man's life. I could, yeah. I could just disappear down those holes forever. 
yeah, yeah. And every time, and, and this is where we're all idiots, because every time I see it, I know I'm going to be disappointed by it. But I'll still mm. click. I'll still yeah. go have a look, you know? So, or the, the one, uh, it left me fucking, I had to step away from the computer. It was, uh, do, you, do you ever see those videos of, of kids after they get the cochlear implants and they hear things oh, for the first stop. time? Oh, stop right? the Say, oh, listen, right? So, it, it, was, it was one name and it was, you won't believe uh, this, this parent's reaction to, or this child's reaction to their parent's voice or whatever, right? And I thought it was going to be one of those cochlear implant videos. And I was ready to, I was like, right, that's it. Oh, I have to, the fucking tear ducts are going to be working overtime. Here we go. It was, it was, the parent was shouting at the child from upstairs and the kid was just doing an impression back. And that was apparently the reaction you couldn't believe. And they were like, the, 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 the opening paragraph was fucking pulling you in and pulling you in. And by the time I got to like the, the, the third page, you have to click. I was like, Hang on a second. Something's not right here. This isn't going. Gary's getting angry there. You're like, fucking ten year old or whatever age she is. Move. <laughs> <laughs> or ten celebrities, ten or ten celebrities you won't you won't believe were are gay, right? That's one. I clicked on that one. Right. Number three was Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck? Like, who doesn't know Elton? What if, what have you been in a fucking diabetic coma for the last thirty years? How do you not know Elton John isn't gay? Ellen DeGeneres was in there, right? She was number seven. Number eight was Portia de Rossi, our wife. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You get the feeling they fucking just pull lists out of a hat, don't you? They're like, right, yeah. well, who's, who's, who's making that list today? And you get that list finished, you can go home early. See, they call this, this is, this is what happened when they replaced journalism with content, right? Oh, content. I see... I see journalism jobs advertised now that would have been called, you know, would have said journalist wanted. Now it says content provider wanted. And like content, the term content provider, it really upsets me when I see journalists describing themselves as content providers because the phrase content provider was invented by somebody who doesn't have any respect for what you do, right? That's a term of contempt. You don't have to use it for yourself. You can call yourself a journalist. If what you're doing is, is investigating things and writing stories, you're a journalist. Like, you know, you don't have to call yourself content provider. But anyway, that's another one. You bears. Jesus, I'll tell you something. Getting them all off my chest tonight and I'm feeling great about it. Yeah, people might have to call it a night, lads. I was going to say, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a bit of a different pace than we'd normally have. But uh, I just realised it's quarter to 11. Fucking, <laughs> oh, lads, I haven't been able to sleep a wink with this heat. I'm fucking, yeah. it's brutal. Like, if a fan going in the bedroom and just, but uh, I can't wait for the colder weather. I don't care. Yeah, it's going to rain, I think, uh, the day after tomorrow. So I, I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Rain on Saturday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm looking lovely. forward to it. We're uh, not meant for this either. Like, you know, we're not. We're not. We're not. No, we've no we air corner. A... We've no air corner, no swimming pools. We're not, we're not built for it. We're not built for it at all. Now, we got a paddling pool and we said it was for, for the dogs to keep them cool. I've been in it more than they have. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know when the small of your back is sweating? Ah, oh, like, like, that's I've, just wrong, like, you know? I have a permanent layer of moisture on my forearm. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's it's not, and it's, yeah, there's, there's no... There's but not everyone's fucking, happy and that's all that matters. I'm not, Graham. I'm miserable, and that matters more to me. You're those, always miserable. You know what I mean? Well, look, I just want to say it. Um, well, Gary, thanks so much. As yeah. always. Gary, would you, like to, um, would you like to sign us out? Well, hang on, hang on. Before we do, just, Paul, congratulations on 
the book, by the way, Alden Adams. Uh, Thank you. I, do you know there's a character named after Gary? I, and I asked him permission, could I use, he's called Maroon right. Michael. And I asked permission. <laughs> yeah, I looking, we, I'm always looking for names. I'm always looking for interesting surnames. Uh, yeah. We weren't we weren't going mad at all, me and Danny. We that introduced you two together. I, I we figured we going mad at all. I figured it was revenge over the whole <laughs> us saying such and such is our favourite guest, such and such is our favourite guest. This is how you got us back. If you plug me and Gary and our new art centre, right? Then <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a very art centre slash, you know, lap dancing club. Well, adult education centre. Uh, if you if you plug that <laughs> repeatedly, then. You know, I might, I might name a character after you guys. We better be featured than in normal sheeple. No, that's written. But you might get the next one. <laughs> that's written. Oh shit! Yeah, that's it. It is, yeah, yeah. So that, so we, uh, we, we started reading Aldrin. Uh, you know, we bought it when it came out, and uh, we haven't finished it because as Aldrin came out, the school holidays were kicking in and stuff. Uh, so Char- yeah, yeah. Charlie's reading routine is kind of scuppered, but. Uh, he said, if I eat cheese now, am I going to be able to get into people's nightmares and stuff? I said, give it a go and see. <laughs> so, He's in the fridge, scoffing the easy singles, is he? he? He doesn't know, though, that there's a character <laughs> called Maurice Macklin. It's so, uh, oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't, haven't been able to eat cheese. Like, so I'm, I'm, promote, I'm doing the promotion for the book. I'm talking about cheese all the time. I'm fucking writing the new book, the second one in the series. And I'm, I'm just writing about cheese all the time. And, and I have this dietary thing at the moment. I'm off like dairy and red meat and alcohol and just about alcohol. anything nice to put in your mouth. I'm off it. And uh, so, so it's killing me, like, you know. But I'm getting well, surely, surely, surely you've, um, you've written a cartoon, have you, about Aldrin? I haven't yet. No, 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 no. But the, just in case anyone from Disney is listening, uh, the rights, <laughs> the rights are available. Um, and if Coca Cola want to sponsor it, you know, I might even ask you to remove <laughs> that earlier thing. Last Patrick works for Coca Cola. The thing I said earlier about the world's, uh, the world's best loved soft drink. Yeah, absolutely. works for Coca Cola, does he? Pajo works for Coca Cola. Yeah, that's why Ronaldo moved the bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was triggering. <laughs> Paul, the bit of stubble suits you, might I say. Oh, I just haven't I just got very lazy like since um since, yeah. I don't have any energy since I stopped eating as well, like, you know. It's kinda of, I mean this isn't a fashion thing. I just just haven't got the willpower to do it. Does Mary you're like you're like a more handsome version no. of Del Del Boy Hutch. <laughs> Jerry the Monk's uh, nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, there's what the streets in Dublin City Centre. I probably shouldn't walk down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Paul, again, congratulations on the book. Um, Gary, sorry, I, I rudely interrupted Graham asking you to do the outro. If you'd be so kind, yeah, we're available on um, Spotify, RT Player, ITV Hub. Uh, if you hit the red button during Love Island, you can watch us there. Um, we're also available via iTunes if you have a voucher um, for uh, Kellogg's. You can get us there. Also available on uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Acast, anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you include 
the code WTS pod in an Argos transaction, you get 15% off. Well, not in our club. No, Dunleary. Yeah. Gary, <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you very much for that. Um, lads, as always, it has been a pleasure. Uh, See you but, next month. See you next month, lads. Pleasure. Until next time, Graham. Clear is. All hearts. That lives. Cheers, lads.